We remain extremely concerned about the coming weather events and the impact they will have on our flood situation. The Fraser Valley is facing more flooding as the Nooksack River tops its banks. As Sumas sounds its flood siren south of the border, BC is preparing to use its own emergency alert system. And we're going to do whatever is required to ensure that the fuel supplies for, uh, for British Columbia. The latest on fuel flowing into BC and what it means for the gas rationing rules. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. The flooding situation in the Fraser Valley has taken a troubling turn tonight with water from the Nooksack River in Washington State now pouring across the border. Our Kamil Karmali is near the Canada-U.S. border tonight. Kamil, what's the latest? Neetu, uh, just some developing news happening. In the past hour, crews are diverting vehicles off of Highway 1 between Abbotsford and Chilliwack. So that stretch of Highway 1 now closed, uh, that 30-kilometer stretch, a long stretch between uh, the two municipalities, uh, between McCallum Road exit here in Abbotsford all the way up to Yale Road exit in Chilliwack. Now, there's no estimated time of reopening Highway 1, and this is all due to that heavy flooding caused by heavy rains and snowfall that we've been seeing for much of the day today. You can take inside roads to get from one point to the other, but prepare for backlog and long waits as even some of those roads going east to west parallel to Highway 1 are seeing lots of pooling as the situation continues to be precarious and looking more grim each hour. This is a race between man and Mother Nature. Who can move faster? The residents rushing to build a sandbag barrier or the fast-swelling flood waters caused by rainwater and snow melt. The Nooksack River in Washington state has now topped its banks, the flow heading right towards Abbotsford. Once that area, which is a significant area, is filled, it's going to go over Main Street and then it's headed here. There's nothing to stop it after that. But that isn't stopping these residents from fighting back. Time is of the essence. That anxiety, that fear, like, it's real. You feel like that sense of impending doom that, like, it's not going to go good. A steady stream of people coming in to grab as many sandbags as they can carry, holding on to hope they can save their homes. I see some fear, but I also see a lot of hope. Like, they show up here and they're like, I just need a couple of bags. And then they see that, like, we've got volunteers that just want to load them. And, and I think it gives them a sense of hope. Many of them taking sandbags back to Huntington Village, just near the U.S. border where floodwaters have already begun creeping through. An evacuation order was sent out overnight. Leaving her home behind is weighing heavy on longtime resident Margaret Olay. <sighs> yeah, a little bit stressed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. About 90 residences have been evacuated here. And as the city of Sumas on the U.S. side of the border sounds their flood alarm, many in Huntington Village leaving with worry about what their homes will look like when they return. It's very hard. Like, uh, I just recently moved to this neighborhood. Uh, uh, we just purchased this house six months ago. And yeah, it's, it's very, uh, very frightening. 
Now, another measure the city of Abbotsford has taken is that they've closed the floodgates at the Sumas River, and that's to prevent water from coming in from the Fraser River. But by doing so, they risk water backing up along the Sumas River and putting uh, Nithu a lot of pressure on that newly rebuilt dike. So a very precarious and fragile situation. Tonight's rainfall will determine a lot. Back over to you. We'll check in with you again later in the broadcast. That's Kamil Kermali in Abbotsford for us tonight. Now we're bringing in meteorologist Yvonne Schell for the latest on the storm watch tonight and into the week. Yvonne. We still have a rainfall warning for eastern areas into the Fraser Valley central region, so Chilliwack all the way in towards Hope. And we're still seeing rain across the region from Hope, but we've already had upwards of 120 millimeters. These numbers have been taken until 4 p.m., so storm totals North Vancouver over 100, Abbotsford, Chilliwack, we're reaching closer to 100 millimeters, and Squamish today getting up to 84 millimeters from the storm and out of the airport with up to 45 millimeters. So there's the rainfall warning that we're still seeing from Chilliwack extending in towards Hope. The precipitation has eased though across the west end for Metro Vancouver. We've got a very brief break now in between systems. We'll still see the chance for some showers. We're still underneath the flood watch. Metro Vancouver included within that. The flood warning now includes the Coquihalla River, the Sumas River still included within that. Now a look ahead. We've got a very brief break but a heads up Tuesday leading in towards Wednesday. We now have special weather statements that are starting to be issued where we are looking of upwards of 100 millimeters. So additional rainfall amounts, more on the timing of the next atmospheric river coming up very shortly. Nithu? All right, critically important information there. Thanks for that, Yvonne. Crews are making progress on repairs to key highways, but there's still no timeline for their reopening. As the province braces for the third in a series of intense rainstorms, officials are prepared to use the emergency alert system to notify of life-saving information if necessary. Kristen Robinson has more. As repairs continue from the disaster that submerged Merritt two weeks ago, the city is evacuating two-thirds of its population and bringing in the army to help shore up flood defenses. Anyone who is south of Nicola Avenue must leave. With the risk of flooding from rising water levels in the Coldwater River, day access for 5,000 residents is suspended until further notice. So there is a dramatic amount of water that will be coming down the river and causing water, le- uh, water levels to rise, possibly to bank full. Rivers are rising rapidly throughout southwest East. The Coquihalla River under a flood warning. The next storm expected to hit the south coast Tuesday could be the most intense since the initial atmospheric river on November 14th. These storms have impacted thousands of people and the losses are heart-wrenching. The province says food, medication and other resources are being deployed to hard-hit First Nations communities including support teams for the Shacken and Coldwater Indian bands in the Nicola Valley. Should things get worse, BC is prepared to use the emergency alert system. Should a community or communities feel there is an imminent threat to life or public safety, the province stands ready to issue what we call a broadcast intrusive alert. Environment Canada, meantime, urging maximum caution and vigilance in the coming days. The cumulative impacts of successive storms is of concern. Key highways linking the Lower Mainland with the rest of BC that were closed as a precaution sustained no major slides or washouts. But Highway 3 between Hope and Princeton, Highway 1 east of Chilliwack and through the Fraser Canyon, and Highway 99 between Pemberton and Lillooet all saw minor rockfalls or debris flow. Safety continues to be our top priority and if required, 
we will again preemptively close highways. If you need to be driving, I urge you to dr check Drive BC. And if you don't need to be driving, please do not. On the Coquihalla south of Merritt, crews are moving rocks to protect the Kingsvale Bridge abutment from further erosion. Bridge is gone. BC highways took a beating in the first storm, with some sections completely washed out. Repairs are underway and roads will be rebuilt to weather extreme events. So it was only three months ago we were in this heat dome fighting forest fires. Now we have the floods. The climate has changed. So I think going forward, uh, what we're having in new structures will certainly be more uh, climate adaptable. Kristen, Global News. In their media briefing today, the province provided an update on the fuel supply. Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry is joining us now from Victoria with more on that. So, Keith, are there any indications at this point as to how long the gas rationing rules will be in place? Well, one of the key factors here, of course, is that when the Trans Mountain Pipeline will reopen. Originally, Trans Mountain put a statement out last week. They hoped to have the pipeline operational last Friday, but they put statements out on Thursday and Friday indicating it's proving to be more of a challenge, perhaps, than they originally thought. So we have no date on when that vitally important pipeline in terms of gasoline supply will be operational. I, I asked uh, Mike Farmworth about that today. Will he extend the rationing period if we don't have that pipeline up and running? It's supposed to expire December 1st, and he's left the door open to more rationing past that date. We have said uh, right from the beginning that we're going to do whatever is required to ensure that the fuel supplies for, uh, for British Columbia are, and the affected areas are, are, are there uh, to meet the needs of not only uh, first responders and our emergency services, but also to ensure the, uh, the good move, the, the movement of, uh, of food trucks and uh, transport trucks. Uh, that's uh, still very much uh, underway and uh, we have every confidence that the fuel is there for that. Uh, but in terms of the situation around the pipeline, uh, we'll have a, a further update uh, uh, tomorrow. So the word from government is right now we do have an adequate supply of fuel when people stick to the 30 liters maximum uh, per visit to the pumps. But again, we're going to get a pretty comprehensive update tomorrow from Mike Farnworth, uh, Transportation Minister Rob Fleming, and Energy Minister Bruce uh, Ralston, who's going to su supply an overview with some fairly detailed statistics about just how much fuel we have and how much fuel we expect in the coming days. All right. Thanks so much for that, Keith. We'll look forward to your analysis after that announcement as well. There is no denying the pain and inconvenience being suffered by people living through the worst of the flooding. Each family is coping in any way it can. Well, for one family on the Sumas Prairie, that means turning to social media, chronicling their home renovations and the flood that turned the hard work to ruin. Here's Grace Key. Like so many others under evacuation order along the Sumas Prairie, Lindsay Kay and her husband returned to their home to gather what they could with another possible flood looming. It's hard to stand in your house and think of what you want to take and what's more important than something else. And I know when we were looking through the stuff that we had when we got to the place we were staying and there was bags full of bags and just things that like you just panic and just start throwing things in. Lindsay grew up in this home and was renovating it for her new family. While work was being done, Lindsay, her husband and new baby were living in a motorhome for a few months. They eventually moved in with the work nearing completion and then finally their dream home was done. We ended up paying our contractor his final check on Friday and we kind of had a few people over on Saturday to warm the house and then on Monday we got the evacuation alert and on Tuesday we got the order to leave. It was definitely uh, some cruel, cruel irony. They were one of the lucky ones. There was damage to the gym and workshop and water in the crawl space of the house. When the water first started coming up, my husband was super concerned, like, no, we're going to lose the furnace. 
and then like the floods started coming and he's like just take the furnace like we will sacrifice the furnace like just save the Lindsay and her family are staying with friends in Chilliwack and with more rain on the way she's not sure when she can go back home I always say if we can make it through a pandemic and a newborn living with your in-laws in a motorhome we can do we can do anything and then obviously I spoke too soon because here comes the flood but yeah it was a long go we were very very thankful we still are very very thankful and we're just hoping that we can get back soon grace key global news breaking news on the pandemic front tonight officials have confirmed the first cases of the omicron coronavirus variant in canada mike lecouture has been following this story for us today and has the latest at this point all that is known about these cases is that the two individuals had recently traveled to nigeria and that ottawa public health is conducting the contact tracing while the patients are in isolation. Provincial officials aren't providing any more details on when the two had returned to Canada. It's worth noting that Nigeria was not part of the list of seven South African countries that are subject to new border measures by the Canadian government. Friday, Health Minister Jean-Yves Duclos announced a travel ban for foreign nationals from that region and enhanced border measures for Canadians or permanent residents of this country if they're coming back from South Africa, Eswatini, Lusutu, Botswana, Zimbabwe, Mozambique and Namibia. In a statement, Duclos says the emergence of Omicron-related cases within our borders demonstrates that Canada's monitoring system is working. In a separate statement, Ontario Health Minister Christine Elliott noted the best defense against the new variant is stopping it at the border. And she urged the federal government to mandate point-of-arrival testing for all travelers, no matter where they're coming from. On Friday, Canada's top doctor said people shouldn't be surprised if we did get a case of this variant. Dr. Theresa Tam added the new measures are part of a layered approach to help protect Canadians as much as possible from this rapidly evolving virus. Mike LeCouture, Global News, Ottawa. The emergence of this new COVID-19 variant has left a group of BC athletes stranded in South Africa. The women's under-21 field hockey team was set to play in a World Cup tournament just outside Johannesburg when they got word late last week that the games were being cancelled because of the discovery of Omicron. And due to travel bans being placed on people travelling from South Africa, the team of about 25 players and coaches now has no way of getting home. Global Affairs, Sport Canada and Field Hockey Canada are working quickly to try and find a solution. The team was excited to receive a call yesterday from the Federal Minister of Sport. She spoke with the team. She also followed up with our, with our team manager for, for probably about a 20-minute conversation just to let, let us know that the highest levels of government are, are aware that we're here, are working to get us home and... Um, at the moment, we're just we're just in that holding pattern until we find out what the other countries are, are going to allow in terms of in terms of travel. The team is currently isolating at a university campus just outside of Johannesburg, where they've been training and are feeling safe, but anxious to learn how they'll be getting home. An Uber driver has temporarily lost his ride after allegedly doing almost double the speed limit on Friday night. Vancouver police say they caught the rideshare driver going 114 kilometers an hour southbound on the Granville Bridge in the 60K zone. The traffic unit tweeting, quote, if you are an Uber driver driving 54 kilometers over the speed limit, don't blame it on your passengers. Police say the four passengers were trying to do the right thing by planning a safe ride home. 
The driver, a 41-year-old Burnaby man, received a $368 fine and the vehicle was impounded for seven days. And after the break, a river at risk. It's known as one of the most productive salmon spawning rivers for its size in all of the Lower Mainland. Why environmentalists are sounding the alarm over a proposed South Surrey development and the urgent changes they're calling for. Plus, what parents need to know ahead of BC's vaccine rollout for kids on Monday. Starting Monday, about 350,000 children aged 5 to 11 in B.C. will be able to receive a COVID-19 vaccine, while Alberta is a few days ahead of us. Just look away and feel that you're fighting COVID with each step. Kapow! Bye, COVID! (laughs) Nine-year-old Sophia was one of the first children to get immunized in Calgary during the first weekend of vaccinations for 5 to 11-year-olds in Alberta. That age group is the largest percentage of B.C.'s unvaccinated population. The province estimates around 65% of parents are ready to get their kids vaccinated. Immunization will take place in community clinics and parents who have registered their children online will start receiving invitations to book today. In Alberta, the clinics are already busy. Really excited, been waiting a long time for this. You know, the vaccines are safe and tested. Uh, Just looking forward to feeling a little more comfortable going out, excited to have that extra layer of protection. So excited to get out to the vacations and um, ski hill and um, going to restaurants and things like that. Data from our province shows kids' vaccines work. For unvaccinated 12 to 17-year-olds, 37% per 100,000 of the population has been hospitalized due to COVID-19. For the vaccinated, zero 12 to 17-year-olds have been hospitalized with COVID. There are concerns tonight that a proposed development in South Surrey could do irreparable harm to a sensitive and currently very healthy salmon-bearing river. As Paul Johnson reports, environmental groups are doing all they can to change the city's mind on the light industrial park before it's too late. Getting a tour of South Surrey's Little Campbell River is a reminder of the extraordinary biodiversity of our coastal rivers. It's known as one of the most productive salmon spawning rivers for its size in all of the Lower Mainland. So everyone who we talk to about the Little Campbell River has the same description of it, a hidden jewel of a river right in the middle of one of Western Canada's biggest cities with still healthy populations of salmon. Here was the scene at the Little Campbell River hatchery just a couple of weeks ago where they had a large return of coho salmon. The river also has Chinook salmon and trout, all supported by the river's current state where large portions of its banks and drainage area are still undisturbed. But there are now plans to change that. A huge area on both sides of the main stem of the Little Campbell River. Just upstream is the boundary of the Campbell Heights Business Park. The city of Surrey has now approved a zoning change that would allow more of this kind of development, light industrial, with more rooftops and asphalt that conservationists and some scientists say would be terrible for the Little Campbell. When you develop, you harden the landscape. Marvin Rosenau is a fishery scientist at BCIT and says the best solution is for this project to not go ahead as is. The number one thing is to keep it away. 
we're not going to stop development in the lower mainland, but putting it on these really sensitive landscapes is just, uh, just not appropriate. Well, Surrey's planning documents recognize the sensitivity of the river and call for buffer zones, with final approval of the project possibly coming in January. Conservationists say major changes to this plan are urgently needed. The current proposal, just the, the vast scale of it, it just, none of the organizations that regularly work with developers are confident that this can go forward without it being a tipping point for the river ecosystem. In South Surrey, Paul Johnson, Global News. Coming up, the future of extreme weather events in BC. A new report on wildfire seasons and what we can do to minimize the risk. Plus, how Salmon Arm restaurant owners are stepping up to support strangers in their community displaced by BC floods. The family of Trina Hunt hosted a vigil in Port Moody this afternoon to raise awareness about gender-based violence. Trina's family members joining others at Rocky Point Park to provide hope and comfort to those affected by violence against women. 48-year-old Trina was last seen in mid-January. Her husband, Ian, reported her missing from their Port Moody home on January 18th. In late March, Trina's remains were found south of Silver Creek in Hope. Days later, homicide investigators searched Trina's Port Moody home and her husband's parents' home in Mission. No one has been arrested or charged. Our lives have never been the same. Losing a daughter is incomprehensible story. We don't understand how anyone would take our beautiful daughter away from us for no apparent reason. Today, we have no answers to Trina's death. An up to $50,000 reward to help bring Trina's killer to justice still stands after her family announced the offer this past June. While the flooding has grabbed the headlines in recent weeks, we're being warned that the extreme wildfire seasons, such as what we saw last summer, could be something we'll all have to prepare for on a regular basis. Paul Johnson has more now on what scientists are saying we can do to mitigate the risks. If it felt to you like the summer's record-breaking wildfire season was part of a new and alarming trend, there's now some science to back that up. This study found that we're seeing more extreme fire weather, and that's not really a surprise. University of Alberta professor Michael Flanagan is an expert on wildfires. His new study, published in the journal Nature Climate Change, found that rising temperatures and dropping humidity connected to climate change is indeed contributing to more fires in B.C. and is making them more intense. Also, the warmer it gets, the more lightning we see. And lightning has been driving the increases we've seen in fire activity in Canada. And within Canada, Flanagan says the largest increase has been in B.C., with three of the worst wildfire seasons happening within the last five years. And while many British Columbians have intuitively braced themselves for more of that in years to come, Flanagan says the science also bolsters that. We can expect more extreme weather in the future and more extreme fire seasons in the future and the smoke and the potential for flooding and mudslides, etc. the following wet season. 
even if the world succeeds in the climate change goals reaffirmed in Glasgow recently. Flanagan says the warming trend is likely baked into our coming summers. One thing we can do, he says, is to assess how and where we live and take steps accordingly. We have to make our communities and our infrastructure more resilient to fire and flooding and you know, all sorts of disasters. One thing humans can take credit for is that his study has shown the number of human-caused fires has actually dropped. And that's the kind of progress we'll need to apply to other dimensions of our changing climate, like planning for the emotional effects of what he expects in the summers to come. People who have gone through evacuations or have lost their homes, it is a significant, at times, life-changing event. And we, we should pay more attention and give support to, to folks going through this. Paul Johnson, Global News. All right, coming up, Yvonne's back with the full forecast. And later, we go back to Abbotsford, where floodwaters are rising once again after the second in a series of atmospheric rivers. We'll have the latest. Stay with us. I think there are still questions that need to be answered here. This was a high-risk, high-reward strategy. So we wanted to set the record straight. But at the end of the day, we talk. And where we talk is right here at CKNW. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. All right, let's bring back meteorologist Yvonne Shell now for a full look at the forecast. Yvonne, we're on storm watch again tonight. Yes, and the rainfall warning has now ended. And this is for central and eastern areas of the Fraser Valley. We'll still hang on to a chance of showers, but lighter precipitation. And we've got a very brief break before we get ahead of the next, uh, before we get into the next atmospheric river. So a few showers will still linger for all areas across Metro Vancouver. That's where we're anticipating. Heading out to work and school in the morning hours tomorrow will be mainly cloudy with that chance for some showers. The temperatures tomorrow will be bumping up to 12 degrees. It'll be a mild one. And then rain is going to start to develop. It'll be heavy at times as we get in towards the evening and overnight. Heads up along the mountain passes. Rogers Pass still seeing an additional 10 centimeters. And the big concern is with the freezing level rising, we are seeing that transition over to rain for many of the mountain passes. So check in with drivebc.ca for the latest road conditions. Now here's the atmospheric river that we're tracking. It is going to take aim along the central coast. That's we're anticipating. It'll pick up steam, especially on Tuesday and leading in towards Wednesday. And it is going to sink across the southern half of the province. There is some uncertainty with the timing and some of the rainfall amounts, but anticipate that it is going to pack a punch along the central coast. Hopefully it'll weaken, but we'll still see those impacts for all areas along the south coast. Here's what we're looking at. Rainfall amounts have taken us all the way in towards our Wednesday. Special weather statement has been issued now for the central coast, the northern regions of the island, the tip and the western edge of the island, where we could see anywhere between 100 to 100 or 200 millimeters of rain. That'll be Tuesday leading in towards Wednesday. Also, a special weather statement has been issued for the north coast, and that's inland, where we're looking at snow, heavy at times, 10, potentially up to 20 centimeters inland. Terra Stewart-Kitimat included within that. Then there'll be a transition. It'll change over to rain and the risk of freezing rain across the region. So anticipate the heaviest rainfall for the south coast will be Tuesday leading in towards Wednesday. And I anticipate as we get in through the day tomorrow, make sure you tune back in. We'll have special weather statements and we'll likely have some rainfall warnings already issued across the south coast. And this will be for Tuesday and for our Wednesday. Now the northern half of the province for tomorrow, wet and windy along the coast. A few flurries will be inland 
a different weather picture for the central and southern interior where there are some breaks in the action tomorrow, just a very slight chance for some showers. South coast, this is a brief break. It'll be mainly cloudy with the chance of showers, but be prepared. It's our Tuesday and leading in towards Wednesday. This is the next atmospheric river and it does have the potential with anywhere between 100 to 200 millimeters of rain. Nithu? All right. Thanks so much for that, Yvonne. Thousands of British Columbians have been displaced by that flooding disaster. Many evacuees are staying in nearby communities, including in Salmon Arm, where one family restaurant is opening its doors for a special home-cooked meal tonight. Yasmin Gandam explains. Tonight, it's about people and community. Michael Yu and his wife Jenny own Hanoi 36, a family-style Vietnamese restaurant in Salmon Arm. The couple have been working hard putting together meals for displaced families and offering a place to come that feels a bit like home. And we want them to know that regardless of what they go right now, uh, what they feel, all we want to do is cook them a nice meal. They can sit back, relax, enjoy the music. It's a family. It, yeah, it feel like home, even though they're far away from home, but this is the least we can do for them. The dish on the menu, one that Michael feels will showcase traditional Vietnamese cuisine. Uh, we're serving a barbecue pork dinner. It's a homemade barbecue pork. We decided to do this dish because our barbecue pork is actually quite popular with the uh, local clientele. And we uh, think that having this particular dish really introduces northern Vietnamese cuisine to everyone. The U's have reached out to local hotels and shelters to let people know he was planning this dinner for them. We have, we know that we have about 30 orders going out and some of it's going to the shelters and some of it's going to the emergency department of the hospital because the frontline workers, we, uh, we, we really like to support them. Um, but so far with the feedbacks, we are looking forward to having quite a bit of people in the dining room this time. The U's hope the cuisine can bring a smile to people's faces. Something and different. red color, like Christmas. Yes, and Christmas is coming, so we figured the dish would bring a lot of colors into people's lives. The dinner open to any displaced families or locals affected by the recent floods. Yasmin Gandam, Global News. What a great initiative. All right, Barry's here for a preview of what is coming up in sports. Barry, what do you have for us tonight? Well, the Canucks are back at it in Boston. It was looking pretty good after two, but the Bruins have just scored, so it's 3-2 Boston late. We'll have uh, all the latest highlights there. Uh, Canadians, Montreal Canadiens have made major changes, so it happened to one Canadian team. Could it happen to the Canucks coming up? I'm sure Jim Benning is aware of that. And, of course, CFL playoffs and NFL on another busy Sunday. All right, thanks so much for that, Barry. Also after the break, we'll go back to our top story with a live update from near the Canada-U.S. border where the Nooksack River has topped its banks, affecting highway travel and evacuation orders. Stay with us. To track the southern B.C. storm situation and have word now that Merritt has been upgraded from a flood watch to a flood warning by the B.C. River Forecast Centre. The mayor is expected to provide an update on that tonight. And we take you now back to our top story, focusing on the flooding situation in the Fraser Valley. Our Kamil Karmali is near the Canada-U.S. border in Abbotsford tonight, tracking the latest. Kamil, what can you tell us? 
Yeah, Nithu, so many changes happening hour by hour. People desperately holding on to the hope that this berm behind me here, the sandbag barrier, holds steady and keeps the water out. We know that the nooksack across the border here in Washington state is overflowing and has broken through the dike and now is on its way and already made its way into Abbotsford. That's the sound of the flood siren going off in Sumas in Washington state on the other side of the border. Mayor Henry Braun said today there's nothing to stop the water after it crosses over the border, implying these sandbag barriers may not be enough. We saw the water even making its way through earlier today. Overnight, the city issued an evacuation alert to about 90 homes here, uh, and almost everyone has left. Now, another major development tonight, crews are diverting traffic shortly after 5 p.m. Uh, and did divert traffic off Highway 1 uh, between Abbotsford and Chilliwack, a long 30-kilometer stretch between McCallum Road exit in Abbotsford and all the way to Yale Road exit. Right now, Neetu, there is no estimated time of reopening, and uh, right now they're just taking it minute by minute. Uh, and uh, we also know that the Sumas River, the floodgates there have been closed off, putting more pressure on that newly rebuilt dike. So a lot of changes happening, a lot of developments happening. Uh, we'll have the latest for you tomorrow morning. We certainly will, Kamil. And we saw Abbotsford police also tweet that that stretch of Highway 1 that is closed also to emergency vehicles is where a dam is now being built to try and protect that stretch. Kamil Kermali in Abbotsford for us tonight. Thank you so much for that. We are going to take a short break. Barry will be back for sports and later. I think mitigating the fear is associated with coming to the dentist. Or it's very important. How a BC dentist's new book aims to help ease the fear of appointments and raise funds for the community's hospital. Stay with us. Tune in to Global BC for the Salvation Army's Hope in the City celebration. Don't miss the one-hour event commemorating the 20th annual celebration, featuring amazing stories, special guests, and big announcements. Head out for a bright walk in White Rock. Enjoy a stroll along the seaside and take in the free winter lights display at the White Rock waterfront that will transform Memorial Park this holiday season. The lights will be illuminated after dusk from December 10th through February 15th of next year. For our BC, I'm Michael Newman. In partnership with BCAA, from help at home to on the road, that's the power of BCAA and it's moving British Columbians forward. All right, a pressure cooker situation is what we start with here in sports, Barry. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> been that way uh, for a while. They've been percolating yeah. over there in Canuckland. Thanks, Neethu. The, uh, the pressure has really never been greater on Travis Green than right now. He needs wins and a lot of them, and he needs them now. He was hoping to start tonight in Boston against a Bruins team that's always tough to beat on their home ice, never mind when you're struggling like the Canucks, who have lost eight of nine. Yaroslav Halak played in Boston, Boston the past three seasons. Uh, still looking for his first win as a Canuck. The Canucks, though, open the scoring. It's a greasy one. Tanner Pearson crashing the net. That just crosses the line. Not pretty, but those are the kind of goals you got to get if you're going to snap a slump. But it didn't last long. Anton bleed from long distance. That can't go in. Halak should have had that one. Ties it at one. What Travis Green wouldn't give for just a little momentum. Once later in the first, Jason Dickinson sprung on a breakaway. Looking for some goals from this guy, but uh, doesn't get much on that attempt. Just one goal so far. They were hoping that he might get 15 or 18 this year on pace for about three. But on a power play, Canucks find the net again. Connor Garland. He may be small, but he can fire the puck. Rips one under the bar. 
but hold all tickets. Nils Hoaglander into the zone too soon. Offside, no goal. That's just the way it's gone for the Canucks. Early second, Bruins put one in, but that's quickly waved off. Uh, Thomas Noshek, no way, kicked that in clearly. Had he got a stick on it, it would have counted, but he didn't, so no goal. Still tied 1-1. Canucks play hard, and again, they get something out of it. Dickinson forces the turnover, and it's Connor Garland who fires. This one counts. Sixth of the year, 2-1. Vancouver's got the lead after two. They're 4-0 when they lead after two this year. But in the third, a chance to increase it. Tyler Mott shorthanded, but Omark shuts the door with a great save, and wouldn't you know it, moments later, David Pasternak. With the shot off the bar, Marchand scores on the rebound, all sorts of traffic in front, and then on another power play late, Marchand, great move, Pasternak scores there at the side of the net, and it's just gone final. Canucks fall for the ninth time in ten games, 3-2. to two. Well, this news likely got Jim Benning's attention. The Montreal Canadiens have just cleaned house. Canadians fired their entire executive team. So just a few months after taking the Habs to the Stanley Cup final, Mark Bergevin is out as general manager. Jeff Gorton, former GM of the New York Rangers, has been retained to serve as the executive vice president of hockey operations, and he'll be in charge of putting together a new management group for the Canadians who are off to their worst start ever. They are third last in the overall standings, tied with the Canucks. The San Jose Sharks have put Evander Kane on waivers after he served his 21-game suspension for submitting a fake COVID vaccination card. It's not expected he will be claimed. He still has four years left on his contract at $7 million per season. Hey, Evander Kane can still score goals, but he's worn out his welcome with teammates wherever he's played, and he's had lots of off-ice issues as well. Kane will report to the AHL if he's not claimed. CFL playoffs, West semifinal, Stampede and Rough Riders from Frosty Regina where it's always a great atmosphere. Late fourth, Riders down four, but Cody Fajardo sneaks it in for the touchdown. The Riders led, but Calgary would force overtime. In OT, Rene Paradise from 44 yards out had made five field goals already, but he's wide here. And it's advantage Rough Riders. Brett Lowther, now he's got a chance for the win from 34 yards out. And he drills it, and Saskatchewan in a thriller, 33-30 in overtime. They will meet the Bombers in Winnipeg in the West Final next Sunday. In the East, as well, cold and snowy in Steeltown. Hamilton Tiger Cats taking on the Alouettes. Second quarter, Jeremiah Mazzoli with the flakes coming down will find Brandon Banks in the corner. 20-yard connection for the major. 7-3 tie Cats just before the half is out. Don Jackson plows his way in for the touchdown. 20 second quarter points for the Ticats. That was the difference. 23-12 the final. They'll play the Argos in Toronto in the East Final next Sunday. The Seahawks play tomorrow in the Monday Nighter at Washington. Now, talking playoffs and Seahawks seems a little bit ridiculous. They would have to go 6-1, and one, maybe even 7-0 and oh to get in. They're more likely to finish in the bottom five of the NFL than to get to the postseason. Seattle sits second last in the NFC with a 3-7 and seven record. Two teams with Super Bowl aspirations, the Packers and the Rams from Lambeau Field. Third quarter, Aaron Rodgers will find A.J. Dillon for the five-yard touchdown, 27-17 Green Bay. And then the Packer defense will come up big. Matthew Stafford, 
The pass picked off by Rasul Douglas takes it back for the touchdown. Third straight game, Stafford's thrown a pick six, 36-17 Green Bay. Early fourth, though. Here come the Rams. Stafford going deep to Odell Beckham Jr., just his second game with the Rams. That's why they got him for the big play, a 55-yard touchdown, but the Rams fall short. 36-25, Green Bay 9-3. The Rams drop to 7-4. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers at Indianapolis. Colts had a 10-point lead, but the Bucs rallied, and it wasn't Brady's arm. It was Leonard Fournette's legs, a four-yard touchdown run. That's his third major of the day. And then late in the fourth, tied at 31, Fournette with a dramatic 28-yard touchdown run, his fourth TD of the game, and the Bucs take it 38-31. They're now 8-3, second in the NFC behind the 9-2 Arizona Cardinals. Patriots and Titans, Bill Belichick's got a tremendous young team that is dominating on defense, and that man, rookie quarterback Mac Jones, just keeps getting better. He's got Kendrick Bourne here. It's a 41-yard catch and run for the touchdown. Bourne with, uh, or uh, rather Jones, with 310 yards passing and two touchdowns, no picks. Damian Harris will seal it with a 14-yard touchdown run. Six great wins for the Patriots. They throttle the Titans 36-13. New England's 8-3. They're the second seed now in the AFC. And some Steelers and Bengals. Ultra-tight AFC North. Abbotsford's Chase Claypool had a good day. Three catches for 82 yards, including another typical chase catch in traffic. That one went for 41 yards, but stuck on one touchdown this year after getting 10 in his rookie season. But he's been pretty good. It's the rest of the Steelers who've been in trouble. The Steelers really got steamrolled. Joe Burrow, 32 yards to T. Higgins. And the Bengals blast the Steelers 41-10. Cincy now 7-4 and four in the the Steelers dropped to 5-5 and 1. Some NBA tonight. Raptors back home hosting the Boston Celtics after going 2-3 and three on their road trip. Third quarter, Scotty Barnes, the rookie, hits the 3 to beat the shot clock. Ties it at 68. Barnes had 21. Continues to impress, but Boston pulled away in the fourth. Marcus Smart led the Celtics with 21. And they go on to win at 109-97. Raps drop to 9-12. They're just 2-7 and seven on their home floor. Canadian Olympic curling trials from Saskatoon. Women's final, Jennifer Jones taking on Tracy Fleury of Sudbury, Ontario. Tenth end. Jones with a chance for the win. Just needs the hit and stick for two, but knocks out one of her own, so only gets one. Ties it at five. A bit shocking. We'll need an extra end. Now in the extra end, Tracy Fleury with the final shot. Needs to draw or have a light tap back for the victory, but... She will wreck on the front guard, and Jones wins at 6-5. She'll represent Canada in Beijing. She won gold in 2014 in Sochi. Men's final, Brad Jacobs and Brad Gushu both have won Olympic gold. Jacobs in 2014, Gushu in 2006. Fourth end, Jacobs with a counter in the 8-foot. Gushu decides to go the safe route. Draw weight down perfectly, slides it in for the single. It's 2-1 Gushu right now in this game. English Premiership, first place Chelsea taking on Man United. First EPL match for interim coach Michael Carrick. He did lead United to a win in Champions League earlier in the week. Second half, United take the lead. Chelsea having trouble with it. And Jaden Sancho in alone shows some nice poise. Knocks it in, 1-0 United. But Chelsea equalized from the spot. Jorginho will find net. It's 1-1 Chelsea. Still top of the table, a point up on Man City, who also won today. United are eighth. Davis Cup, Canada needing to beat Kazakhstan today to advance to the semis, but 
Canada seriously undermanned. Both Shapovalov and Oje Aliassime choosing not to play to rest up after the long season. Vancouver's Vashik Pospisil did all he could in his match against Alexander Bublik. Vashik going old school serving volley there, but Bublik with the ace on match point. Canada eliminated from the Davis Cup. They did finish second back in 2019 with a full squad. World four cup uh, four man uh, bobsled rather from uh, Innsbruck, Austria. World Cup action. Summerlin's Justin Cripps won the bronze in the two man yesterday, and he returned to the podium today. The track got a bit slower in the second run, but Cribs did just enough to uh, snag the bronze. Just three one hundredths ahead of fourth. Germany's Francesco Friedrich won gold for the second straight day. And bad news for the Blue Jay fans. Reports say that All Star Marcus Semien's agreed to a seven year one hundred. $75 million deal with the Texas Rangers. Semyon smashed 45 homers and 102 RBI last year with the Jays. He was third in MVP voting and won a gold glove and a silver slugger award. But unfortunately, he has taken his talents to Texas. And once again, Canucks lose 4-2. We'll see if that's it for Travis Green uh, or anyone else in management tonight at 11. Be at the edge of our seats on that one. Thanks very much for that, Barry. And we'll be right back with a BC dentist passion project aimed at helping kids overcome appointment anxiety while fundraising for a local hospital. Stay with us. dentist is hoping to ease the anxiety felt by younger patients through a new children's book she's written. Dr. Batul Kazmi, who practices at a Kamloops clinic with her husband and fellow dentist, wrote the book during the early stages of the pandemic. As a mother herself, Dr. Kazmi says she felt inspired to create a child-friendly guide to a routine appointment. I had gone into bookstores with my little kids and kind of introduced them to, you know, getting used to going to the doctor or the dentist and the options out there weren't that realistic. All of the, the proceeds will go to Royal Inland. Um, something resonates with me, you know, when they say together we rise. I, I feel so strongly about that. The book is available online through Amazon, Barnes & Noble and Indigo with sales benefiting the Royal Inland Hospital Foundation. Great idea there. Really makes it look like it's fun to go to the dentist right there. <laughs> we all need that. that. Exactly. <laughs> it's not just for kids. It's for adults alike. That is all the time we have tonight. Uh, before we let you go, though, Yvonne, one more quick check on the weather. Heavy rain will be for Tuesday, Wednesday. A heads up with another atmospheric river. Great. Thank you so much, all. Stay safe out there. We'll see you soon.